Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. Hey, hey, you, you, this is Song vs. Song. And today, we have the big Steal Your Man anthems from 2007. We will be debating Avril Lavigne's Girlfriend versus Paramore's Misery Business. And we got a lot of votes for this, so we have a third person in the studio with us today. Everyone, this is YouTube's Sarah Zed. Hi there. Appreciate the Zed. <laughs> Ed, do, do you expect Americans to call you Sarah Z? I don't feel strongly about it either way, but I do appreciate the when people do have the Zed. <laughs> and you are here because, like uh, Avril, you are Canadian. And like Haley That's Williams, true. you have vaguely Haley Williams colored hair ver- circa 2007. It's a close enough connection. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, why don't we just get into it? If you had to pick one right now, Avril Lavigne's girlfriend or Paramore's misery business. I'm going to say that misery business is where I'm standing right now, but I'm willing to change my opinion <laughs> the more we talk about it. That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. How about you? How about you, uh, Danny? I love being a dark horse. It, mm-hmm. It's girlfriend for me. I'm, I'm taking Avril Lavigne's side. Oh, that's right. Hey, hey, you, you. I don't like your song preference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I stand on this. Like, for, um, I like Paramore a lot more than I like Avril. I never really liked Misery Business, and not even for, like, problematic things. It's, you know, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to get into that. Oh, of course. Okay, but, like, on a more serious note, which of these would be more likely to steal your man? Avril or, or Haley? Avril. Because Haley's song is written from the perspective of somebody who is dating the guy the other girl broke up with, mm-hmm. which is not really... She didn't really steal the man. The song is very much like, this is a victory for me, but she didn't steal him. The other girl broke up with him. So I'm going to say Avril gets stealing points. I mean, based on the music video, Avril both wins and loses. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's it's literally how that works. She, she, she plays three different characters. Like, she's Meg Ryan in Joe versus the Volcano. That's a thing for three people. Enjoy it, you, you three. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, get, I get it. Mazel tov. It's really impressive that she plays three people in that video and does not really sell any of them. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not buy her as rebel punk girl. I did not buy her as preppy bitch. And I didn't buy her as Avril Lavigne. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very unconvincing Avril. Well, that's because she's Melissa, right? Oh, Melissa Levine. The, 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 the real Avril is dead. Yeah. Is this a Taylor Swift situation, or is this a, or is this like a Sasha Fierce situation? I'm confused. It's a, it's a it's Paul an McCartney situation. Theory. Yes. Yes. Oh. Apparently, uh, people believe that Avril Lavigne died in between uh, her first and second albums. They hired this girl Melissa to replace her because she was at the height of her career, and she's been Avril ever since. I feel like they'd have gotten more mileage out of her just being dead, because dead uh, dead artists are very popular these days. You can milk a lot. I mean, I'll, let me let, let me say this, um, you know, Todd, as you know very well, I don't trust my own opinion. So I often will ask um, my spouse mm-hmm. um, what she thinks. And she I was like, what do you think about these songs? And she was like, I have no idea what those songs are. And so I started playing her Avril Lavigne songs. And she said, that's Avril Lavigne. <laughs> and I'd play her another one. She'd go, that's Avril Lavigne? And she's like, I know this. I know the skater boy one. She didn't even know that complicated was Avril Lavigne, which really, I was like, now you've lost all credibility. But I yeah. do think that, um, that that kind of says something about Avril specifically as an artist. Like Paramore has changed over time. But yeah, I think have. that there's still a, a consistency 
to, mm-hmm. to to them that I don't know that Avril ever really had. And by the way, my I have a I have a, a gripe about the song choices. Did you feel so? Wait, Todd, was this was you who picked the, the songs or was it you, Sarah? I I suggested it to her and she said yes, but there was it was all me, my idea. I I know that you don't like the ballady stuff as much. But having gone back and looked at it, I really found myself thinking that this would have been a tighter race if it had been um, I'm With You versus The Only Exception. Ooh. Ooh. Those are all, those are very good, very good suggestions as well. That's my, that's my, so I was never really big on Paramore. Like, not that I disliked them, I just never had really connected with them very much, but The Only Exception was the only exception (laughs) to, to that rule. And I... I loved that song, and I find that if I listen to it once, I'll need to listen to it another ten times because it's simple and perfect. Like, you don't really get songs that are just, like, three chords, and then you are like, nope, i got to listen to it again. But that's one of them. It's just really, really perfectly executed. And Misery Business is a little more complex, certainly more Mm -hmm. complex than Girlfriend, I think. There's There's a lot going on in Misery Business just musically. Uh, it's one of their busiest songs, I, f- I feel like. And that's, I feel like there's a little bit too much going on in there, which is why I never connected to it. I never even listened to the lyrics. I had no clue what it was for a long time. Um, now, I got into their later singles, and by later, I mean immediately later. I liked Crush, 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 and mm. I like That's What You Get, and I liked most things they've put out since. Um, I actually saw Paramore before they were big. Like they oh, really? Were, when? Uh, in 2006. That would be right before this album. There was like a bunch of like a fueled by ramen concert at my college, and I think like Motion City soundtrack was the headliner, and the Paramore were nobody yet. They had pressure out, and that was it. And I I had never heard of them. I was just like, man, this girl's tiny. She is very small, and that's no, she is like she fits in your pocket in real, like she is like shockingly tiny. She's vampire slayer sized. Oh yeah, is what you're saying. She's like Sarah Michelle Gellar sized. Oh, much smaller than that. Wow, really? Sarah Michelle Gellar is like teeny, teeny, teeny tiny. She's like, I think, like five foot one or something. Okay, well, maybe if that, maybe similar size then. But that's the only thing I remember because I was not really into the fuel by ramen stuff at the time. I got into him later. Haley's also five foot one. I just looked it up. There you go. <laughs> so she's she's actually precisely Buffy size. There you go. She could have been a <laughs> vampire, which is fitting because she also did a vampire song. Yeah, she? she could be a vampire slayer. Yeah, Absolutely. she uh, she did a song for the Twilight soundtrack. Oh, that's right. She uh, was all back over when it first came out. Yeah, I'm working on a video on Twilight right now, so <laughs> I've been listening. I've been listening to a lot of Paramore, both in preparation for this and for general Twilight vibes. Though the 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 Twilight movies had music that they did not earn. I feel like oh, the baseball scene slapped exclusively because of the music. <laughs> yeah, that's they didn't earn Muse or Death Cab or whatever else was on that. <laughs> but they might have brainwashed a whole generation into getting into that kind of music. So I will give them props for that. All right. Well, can I ask, were you were you an Avril girl? I was most certainly. Uh, I that was the first concert that I ever went to was Avril Lavigne. Oh wow! Uh, yes. When would that uh, have been? At the, <laughs> I would have been. I think about maybe two thousand and seven. So uh, right around this time. Yeah, actually, I think that she did this song. She played at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, and she had this big screen behind her with all of these like bright pop art colors that changed with different patterns every time she did a song. And mm-hmm. Girlfriend was very, very visually loud even <laughs> at the concert. <laughs> what does Avril Lavigne's stan culture look like? 
you know, I don't know what her kind of stand circles look like now, but I kind of vaguely remember this sort of this, very, this kind of like weird excitement about that album, uh, The Best Damn Thing, because it was very different than her other stuff. It was. And so there was very much this kind of uh, this this almost excited loudness about it. And I'm sure that contributed to, you know, people believing that she was a poser and everything like that. But there was definitely something very new as opposed to the more reflective stuff that she wrote earlier. And that's not to say, I mean, there was there was Skater Boy and stuff on her earlier albums, but there was a lot, it was a lot more poppy and it was a lot more excited seeming. So you remember people being excited about, do you, do you remember like the backlash from fans? Because I do remember that for a girlfriend. Yeah, no, definitely. Because I mean, I think that that being my first concert, it was really, really great for me because I think that that really helped carry a good show. But I do remember and I I was quite young. I wasn't going online that much yet, but I do remember seeing some kind of angry comments about how she was kind of abandoning her image. And there was this this idea that because it was kind of less reflective music, it was less authentic or it was kind of she was a sellout, which I, I mean, I think that um what you were saying earlier, um, uh, Daniel, about the lack of kind of image consistency kind of fits into that because she does go through a lot of very visual and public phases throughout her music. And that even, you know, still was in play in like the mid 2010s when she did stuff like Hello Kitty. And so I think that there's always, yeah, that was a choice. So there's always been kind of criticism of her, her lack of consistent perceived authenticity. I have a, so... There's a thing that I've been thinking about for a while now. So I also, um, did, so wait, did you like Avril when you were when oh, she first oh, got hugely? But no, but what about what about you, Todd? Did you? Um, I don't know. I when that first album uh, hit, I had just entered college, and I this is the first time I was hanging out with like girls as friends for you know the first time ever, and those girls were so like just coming out of high school were so into. Avril, like they were, it was like Avril was their soul. Like this is the, so much the same way that Taylor was a few years later, and then Lord was, and then Billie Eilish was after that. Like the Avril was these girls as far as they were concerned. This and is which is so funny because they were not punks me. either. They were like you talk about like these were very preppy girls, quite honestly. So all right, they were the girlfriend. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I man. 2002, that's when that first record came out, yes? The yes. first one. Like, oh, yeah. Here's yeah. here's what I would say. So I was I would have been right out of college for me. But I really remember right off the bat that she, I remember the, the tenor of it being that she was phony baloney right from the start. There was that she a, was that she was, was always that she was always pretend, mm-hmm. she was always bullshit and that she was sort of part of Kind of the beginning of the end of people giving a shit about sellout culture at all. Like, I think that that's a thing that kind of dripped off. And I'm surprised that there was as much of it still in 2007. You know, we talk a lot about um, how technological shifts um, sort of predict and impact the way that we view pop culture, including music. And I always think about 2002 as being the Napster era. And that having a really big impact on the business end, but you don't really see the the long term impact on everybody else until 2007, because that's the year of the iPhone. That's the year that the first iPhone comes out. And the shift to me technologically from the, the old 
iPod, which has like a little dial on it in the middle and a touchscreen, um, is the difference between, you know, Napster and, and college kids really being the ones that glommed on to being able to get access to music and everybody being able to get any kind of pop, pop culture in their hand at any time. And I feel like that has a really big impact on the way people care or don't care about who's a sellout or what's legit and what's not because you can just have whatever you want in your hand anyway. Well, I mean, like Haley did her like pop crossover stuff. She did it was on pop singles and, and like rap singles and that. But she certainly got a lot less shit for it. I mean, partly because that wasn't part of Paramore's official image. But at, at in 2007, there was still like a big backlash from the backlash that was already happening against Avril. And it's I went just back, the, and, but it's the last decade of it. it really, it's the, I just it's the don't last, think that after that, people cared. Once you get into the 2010s, it just becomes less relevant. Yeah, once we get mm-hmm. to the Lady Gaga era, that's that's where people just throw it all out the window. Is what I feel like. I haven't heard the word "sell out" in quite a quite a long time. I yeah, but, it's weird. Yeah, it's interesting to see where people pick up on that. Because for me, it was you know, as somebody from the state of New Jersey, take a drink. It was Kevin Smith who who taught me to stop thinking in those terms because mm-hmm. I remember him having a very like, if you think I'm a sellout from all rats, please understand that I'm just trying to get my motherfucking movie check. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's a thing that people do and get the fuck over it. And I was like, Kevin Smith is right. Not often, but 100 <laughs> percent right about that. And it was a real turning point from the way that that I viewed not just movies, but music in particular. Well, let me say this. I, I went back and listened to Avril's first three albums mm-hmm. and the next best thing or the next, the best damn thing, whatever she, mm. it is a hard snap from the, which, and she wasn't exactly like super hardcore to begin with, but there's like a lot of serious, like heavy, like introspective stuff on those first two albums that is not there on the next best thing. It is all it's bright, much more poppy, and bright and sunshiny. And, uh, this was the first big hit of, uh, well, here we go. It did the problematic stuff. That was the first big hit of Dr. Luke. Yep. Who, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, man, I'm sorry that this is a podcast, so I cannot show you the face Sarah just made. But <laughs> <laughs> just look at the just look at the grimace emoji. <laughs> it's just that. Yeah, it was just just imagine the giant yikes. But that was it is an extremely Dr. Luke kind of record it is very sharp and pointy and you you can't ignore it for better or for worse like it grabs your attention it's one thing when you're doing this for Katy Perry you know it's something different when you're doing it for Avril Lavigne who was you know the hot topic girl who had like songs about emotions and stuff it does make you go back and it's like huh if you were like a little girl when let go dropped you would have probably imagined that Avril would age with you. And that did not really happen. She Mm -hmm. kind of, arguably, she went backwards. Like, this is music for 12-year-olds. Like, let go is music for 17-year-olds, and this is music for Mm 12-year-olds. Even the sort of the ballads on that album are a lot less reflective and a lot more simplistic. And that isn't inherently a bad thing, but it is very much a shift from her earlier stuff. Like when you're gone and keep holding on, where like the two ballads and they're the Aragon they're very straightforward. Theme. The Aragon <laughs> yes, theme, keep holding that's on. That's telling in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like Paramore jumped into the scene like to fill that role that everyone thought Avril would have been playing by that point. Like she was the the legit Avril. Haley Williams was like because I remember the girls 
blowing up for Paramore also. Like, this was... I think that's why we have so many votes for this one, because people have very, very strong attachments to Paramore that Avril turned out to be kind of just a phase. Mm-hmm. The song I picked for this was Misery Business, and that one is kind of fraught also. Oh, yes. It, it, it represented a, a, a bygone era for a lot of people in many ways, <laughs> I will say about that. And I mean, for, for Haley Williams herself, I mean, she's said, this is, these are words that I wrote as a teenager. They don't reflect my feelings now, and nobody should expect them to. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's handled that very well. I think, mm-hmm. like, the fact that she's calling uh, What's-Her-Face or whoever, I don't know, I need to give this girl a name, Pretty Face, Body Like an Hourglass, Body <laughs> Like an Hourglass, she is very mean to this girl, she calls yes. her, her a whore, and um, Paramore, all of them were raised very Christian. They were. Like, I mean, not that you have to be raised Christian to be slut shamey. But, but it doesn't hurt, like, <laughs> with regards to that. Yeah, and that turned out to be, like, an increasing tension in the band. I don't know, I told this to someone, and they were like, what? Paramore was a Christian band the entire time? I was like, no, no. No, they were Christians in a band, and a couple of them thought they were in a Christian band, and that's why it has several less members now. At the time, there's a very unpleasantly Christian, I guess, like the bad kind of Christian vibe to Misery Business, which is why she has disavowed it, and she's like, I'm never playing this song ever again. I, listen, let me say this. I'm really glad that that happened in, what, 2018? Yeah. Imagine if it had happened now, the the way that that people would be screaming about cancel culture and bullshit like that. Oh like, I'm sure, that, I'm sure there was plenty of that in 2018, but it would be so exponentially worse now. And to me, it's just such a silly thing, right? Like, do I listen to the song and still have an ability to enjoy it? Yes. Are there many artists over the decades who have written songs that got them famous and then looked back and said, you know what? I don't really like the song anymore. I'm not going to play it anymore. That has nothing to do with anything other than they just don't feel an attachment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it is that there's a great need to inspect it beyond that. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I appreciate that people had a response to it and then she had a dialogue with people and that dialogue was good. But the idea of saying, I used to play this song, but I just don't connect with it anymore and I don't really enjoy playing it, so I'm not going to. Like, I don't, good. That sounds like a person like doing what they want to do as an artist. That's great. I don't know that it needs to be inspected beyond that. Yeah, and, like, even with regards to, like, any backlash that she might have received, and I'm not saying this to say, like, yeah, let's call women whores in music, but I think it's a little <laughs> bit odd that misery business has become this kind of symbol for, like, internalized misogyny in music or <laughs> misogyny in pop punk in general, when pop punk as a genre, it, it, the worst of it does not, like, start and end with, like, Haley Williams, right? <laughs> like, like, I mean, really... <laughs> Like, this trope yeah. of this, like, homewrecker woman has been a thing in all kinds of songs. Cute without the E, easy example. Like, uh, Haley Williams did not invent this. It's silly that she's considered the face of it, I think. Yeah, I can't imagine it being that way. And also, like, I don't know, what was it? What was the, I mean, like, to date this podcast, pretty recently, didn't somebody do a response to Jesse's girl? Like, somebody being, like, freaked out as as the girl being, like, this creepy guy? <laughs> Is your friend who won't leave me alone? He stares at me across the room all the time. 
I feel I, like he I might heard kill about me. it. I didn't particularly listen to it. But, um, like, there's the idea of, like, the slut-shamey, the mis- misogynist uh, stuff in, in music, in pop music, is everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. I don't, you know, like, if you want to look at that song and say, I really don't like that line, great. I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I, I think that there's a difference between that and ultimately the reason why she stopped playing it. I think she stopped playing it because it just doesn't, it's not who she is and she doesn't like it. I don't like, I, it's great that she had a dialogue, but like there didn't, like, if that's nice. I think that's great for business. Not so great for misery business, but for, for the, for the, but for the, for the, for the business of being in, in the band Paramore, I think that's a, that's a smart decision. But like, I don't think that she did it because of that. I think she just was like, no, she's, she's done it made, made pretty clear. Like I'm not being forced to, you know, do, I, I genuinely am just not this person anymore. And I don't really know this. I don't know her. Whoever I haven't wrote been this. canceled. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like this is just—I mean—they're coming down on her because she's uh, she's uh, what a, a, a young, pretty white woman. That's it. It's the same—the same reason why people were so hard on Avril. You know, I—it's really like she's a thin, blonde, white girl, and so she took a lot of shit. I, I, and like, I don't know, man. Like this the girlfriend. Uh, hey, hey, Mickey, I ain't no hollaback girlfriend. That song. I don't know. Let me tell you, my perception of that song is it's thoroughly enjoyable. Is it for 12-year-olds? Sure. Did I enjoy the shit out of it? I absolutely fucking did. Absolutely. I still like that song a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think that there was, I wish I had had it in front of me, but um, in the comments, um, there was somebody that really got very close to how I felt about this song, which is that for me, um, as somebody that had gone to an all-boys school and... um, had kind of been surrounded by a particular type of culture about what is a thing you can be like in front of people and how you're not supposed to act. To me, to be able to enjoy that's really poppy and and like sing like, I don't like your girlfriend and I'm going to steal you away and all that stuff, right? Like that was far more subversive than any punk song for me. You know, like I listened to Spice World very loudly and loved it. And if people didn't like it, I felt punk as fuck for that. <laughs> you were ahead of the curve on that one. You're goddamn right I was. That movie and that album absolutely fucking own. You were a poptimist before that word was coined. Um, yeah. And, like, to, so to me, like, it's not that, you know, either of these songs is above reproach, but, like, I just look at Avril Lavigne and think, gosh, even from the start, even before Girlfriend, just right at 2002, people were very hard on her. Very oh, fucking hard. hard. It's like, oh, she can't even play that guitar. Yeah, Which, I mean, she couldn't. That's, but. <laughs> I mean, she's a 16-year-old, right? Like, when she releases yeah. her first album. I don't know. I, oh, I, I, the idea that somebody is, like, the, a poser, it doesn't seem to be so much of a thing anymore. But this idea that, like, young women existing in the music industry is going to, like, indicate the downfall of music. Like, I remember the moral panic two years ago about Billie Eilish. And it's very much like, okay, can we move on now? Avril Lavigne is not going to destroy the institution of punk with Leko, you know? Yeah. It's like nothing is, yeah, I don't, you know, I, now, I mean, you know, I listened to, I mean, they've been well, saying God, what, what, was, what was that album that, yeah. that, uh, that Avril Lavigne put out? What was that? Head, head Above Water? That the last, the, the last one? The most the, recent one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. I, I gotta so. tell you, she picked a real time to do a track with Nicki Minaj. What a time to choose to do that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. I remember Complicated coming out. That was like the first single, right? That was like mm-hmm. the first thing they put out in the world. And I 
loved that song, loved it, and was very cringy about it. I felt like embarrassed to like it at the beginning. And I had to get over it and accept that there was no reason not to like it. You know, who cares if she plays the guitar or not? Who cares that she's like with the baggy and the and the tie and the who who why <laughs> why is this matter to me? I'm I was 22 at the time. That's insane. That's a silly silly thing to care about. And um yeah, I don't know. Like was, that song was good. Skater Boy, I fucking loved too. Like I'm with you is I man, again, if I was going to pick any song of hers, that's, you know, probably a top tier fave. But Girlfriend is just fun. It's fun the way that, fun. that Mickey is fun. It's it's fun in that way that Hollaback Girl is fun. Like, I love those cheerleader songs. Why the fuck wouldn't I? They Absolutely. rule. For me, Girlfriend, what, I, I'm, I'm a bit, I, you know, I'm not an anti-pop guy myself. Like, Girlfriend was like right up on the line of what I would tolerate. You know, it's like the fun kind of annoying song on purpose and like, well, like, it's she's really like, catchy. so whatever. <laughs> like, the lyrics are always playing it up. Yeah, and I, I feel like Girlfriend was a real groundbreaker because I feel like for a couple years after that, every song had, like, this cringe rap bridge right oh, at the yeah. end. Well, that's a whole, that's, that's a, that's a conversation. <laughs> that's a Dr. Luke we uh, can have. innovation right there. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Because like, I this can't, because is... I can do it better. It's so <laughs> weird, though, that, like, there's this idea of, like, you know, from 2002, that Avril was somehow r- ruining punk. A silly thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd, it, I'm glad that we're, I feel like we're at least a little bit past it. What was it? I, I feel like I tweeted about this the other day, but like, you know how Cardi B has, she has like a Facebook series called Cardi Tries? I do not. And now she's, I do. So she's got a thing called Cardi Tries. I promise there's a point to this. Um, and she does a thing called Cardi Tries Basketball. And she's with a friend of hers who's a basketball player and he teaches young kids how to play basketball and they're all going to teach Cardi how to play basketball. And the kids are kind of shocked that she genuinely doesn't know any, can't dribble a ball, can't do shit. And they're like, you don't know anything about basketball? And Cardi B's response is, you know, I always been a girly girl. I got long nails, you know, I rap. And I was like, I love that that's the definition. Let that forevermore be the definition of a girly girl. Got long nails, I rap. Beautiful. I fucking love that. And like just thinking about that and thinking about the way that she's had a huge impact on the rap game. Because, you know, speaking of like misogyny and fucking music, Jesus Christ, you know, there's certainly no shortage of it there. But like, I don't know, like she's got long nails and she raps. That's and she can be as girly as she wants to be. And like we all seem to be on the page with that now, but I don't think that we were at all with Avril Lavigne. And everyone was so chippy on the shoulder about her destroying punk music. If any woman has the power to single handedly destroy an entire genre of music, she deserves to get to destroy an entire (laughs) genre of music single handedly. I'm going to give that to her. If she's yeah, able if to she, do that in the first place, if she if she can come out uh, from the from the watery depths, an ancient one, you know, like I don't like is she really like she's the Nyarlathotep or whatever of of punk music. Yeah. It just seems very. I can't say it. I don't know. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Danny. Oh, it was a, it was a Lovecraftian thing. I don't know. Okay, man. I don't know. Like, but I feel like there was something a little deeper on those first two albums that she kind of gave up. She does kind of disappear from the narrative. Like, she kind of goes away after that, whereas Paramoric just kept going on and still very uh, d- near and dear to people's hearts. Like, I, you know, I went back to listen to the next damn best, the best damn thing 
there's like a really embarrassing part in there where she's rapping about having the pants. Like I'm, I'm the one, the one, I'm I'm the the one, one who, who wears the pants. <laughs> I wear the pants. I, I was the like same oh, vibes oh. as like the shake it off rap to me. Like yes. people, that was a thing for a while, and I'm glad they tried, but I'm not that glad they tried. <laughs> yeah, like Paramore is still very dear to my heart as well. I really like Paramore. I really like. It's been fun to watch Paramore evolve, and I liked Haley Williams' uh, very not pop. So, solo album she released last year it was like ex- even more indie rock than anything she's ever done. Whereas you know Avril, she's been dating rock stars. She married Ch- Chad Kroger. She married the guy from Some Forty One. After that, it does kind of change how you feel about it. I feel like I don't think Avril stands exist anymore. I don't look. Here's here it is. My opinion is I just don't think that Avril Lavigne is as talented. <laughs> that's it. I don't think it's any more or less than that. I don't think she's got the same ultimate long-term cult of personality. I don't think that the the quality of the music is quite as good. It's enjoyable. Girlfriend is enjoyable, but I don't know that it has the footprint that something that that some some of the stuff that Paramore has done. And also, I don't know. It's like After Laughter that came out in 2017 is just such a great fucking Isn't record. It? Oh, yeah. It's really, really, Definitely. really good. And that's a big shift for them, right? And Avril never managed to do that. And I don't know how much of that is her just not having it or also, I mean, you know, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff that this podcast doesn't quite have the the know-how, I think, to, to, to analyze. But, like, I don't know what her team looks like versus, like, yeah. who's repping Paramore. Do you well, know what I mean? it's interesting that we started this podcast episode with a discussion of her music video and how she steps into these three different roles but never really fully embodies any of them because I think that that speaks to a lot of her later career as well. She kind of steps into this role initially of somebody very very introspective and I think that she plays that well but then she kind of steps into this later role of kind of this pop punk princess and then later into kind of the Japanese I don't really know what to say about that it was a choice that she that she made there it's very much it it feels like a similar attempt to embody but not really fully commit to these roles as we see in the girlfriend music video you know she is absolutely humongous in Japan she is like the queen of Japan like like up there with like the top selling foreign artists in Japan of all time like the Beatles and Queen and Mariah like I I don't I'm told she embodies a real archetype over there that I don't really quite get. And, you know, cut, I, cut, I, I yeah, oh, I, you know, but I think I would make a case for Avril having a major footprint on music because like she may not have like changed punk music, but she definitely changed pop music. She definitely changed how that was made because like just a few years after she dropped Hannah Montana happens and there are guitars all over that. Versus what, you know, a Hillary Duff or a Lindsay Lohan would sound like just a couple years before that. Avril changed things. Avril changed the sound of pop music. Yeah, and then and then she started chasing after other other types of stuff, right? Like you could say, like, what what was with the with like the Hello Kitty thing, right? Well, the answer to that is, you know, I mean, girlfriend sounds a lot like, you know, again, it sounds like a Gwen Stefani thing to me. That's a that's a thing that was happening. You know, the way that Gwen Stefani was chasing cultures and appropriating them and getting away with it is just I don't know. Only it's like 
Gwen Stefani did it and got away with it, and I'm not sure that other people, especially Avril, were able to pull off the same thing. Because Gwen Stefani, when she got on the scene, was somehow, for whatever reason, respectable. I think part of it is that she had a band. I think that's a big part of it. A really big Mm -hmm. part of it is if you have a backing band, you seem more real, like more legit. I mean, Paramore as well, as opposed to being like, a singular artist also kind of gets analyzed as a band, right? Not just Haley Williams, as right. opposed to Avril being seen, not just as like Avril, the musical artist, but Avril as a person and the two of them being treated as interchangeable. Yeah. And Gwen Stefani yeah. also like they, again, she, she, I think was pretty savvy about this. And I think she probably also had a smart team behind her that when there was this idea that she was the front woman, they leaned in so hard that they made a music video about the impact that that had on the band as a whole. That's literally what the Don't Speak music video is all about. So they knew how to kind of control the narrative. And I just don't think Avril ever really had control of her own narrative. Well, let me let me say this. Comparing Gwen to the both of them, uh, what, why Gwen got away with going pop versus Avril versus, was that Gwen made like a hard switch and she also played it like it was kind of a joke versus Avril, who just kind of seemed to be doing the same thing as she had been doing before, but worse. I, yeah. And, and I say that as a, like a semi-defender of Girlfriend, too. I don't dislike Girlfriend. But Girlfriend is just Skater Boy, but like on purpose, whereas Skater Boy was fresh. <laughs> Skater Boy was fresh. It was like an actual teenager absolutely wrote this. It's, you know, it's it's a little raw. It's a little amateurish, but it's very real. Like, this is a teenage girl who absolutely wrote this versus this is written by committee. Well, I mean, they said that she got drunk and wrote some of the lyrics, right? I mean, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I, I believe I believe that. Look, I think, again, if you're looking at somebody as, as a person solo versus person in a band, um, there's, boy, an almost inherent desperation, right? Like, you don't have somebody else there to, to bounce your ideas off of that's like, really your ally you know like is is the the co-writer of girlfriend an ally to anyone <laughs> don't fucking think so you know but uh, but gwen um and and Haley both i think you know at least to some degree have that and gwen in particular another thing that i would say about her uh, her hard turn to pop is that she at the same time was having huge success as a designer right like she'd had lamb come out and lamb is great and so, like, if her music career went up in smoke, oh fucking well, she's got a she's got a fashion line that's really successful. So who gives a shit? She could have just stopped and did what and like, and if that was where her music career ended, I think she would have been fine. And as a result, the music that she put out was the stuff that she actually wanted to make. Like, she wanted to make that pop shit, and I think it's really clear, like, by how weird it is, right? Like that first pop record is very strange in a lot of ways. And so I think that that gives her credibility. And I, like you said, um, I think that once you get to the girlfriend era of Avril, it feels a little bit like it's intentionally for 12-year-olds. Uh, well, going uh, comparing Gwen to Paramore here, Paramore, you know, like I'm not sure how allied Haley was with her bandmates at the time because they had a lot of drama. They were like, but they were all clear, like Haley has always been, she could have gone solo much earlier than she did. And she was very clear that she wanted to be part of Paramore. She wanted to be part of this band with these bandmates. In fact, when they lost a couple of members, their next album was uh, named Paramore. It was a self-titled album. It was like, no, we are still strong. We are still a band. 
and they uh, they always sounded like a band. They never sounded like the Haley Williams Project, especially on a uh, Misery Business, which rips. Circling right back to something you said, what is what is cute without the e about? By taking oh. back Sunday, you mentioned. Yeah, no, just very much like playing into this idea of like the woman who like this homewrecker woman mm-hmm. who kind of like, you know, destroy us all. Yeah, that kind of. I just think like the 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 idea that like Haley Williams was somehow the first person to introduce this like female homewrecker thing into pop punk. The way people talk about it is like the ultimate expression of pop punk misogyny is just a little bit silly when it's a longstanding yeah. trope, you know. Yeah, it's like saying that the, in the music video that the girl, the woman who who plays that figure is the very first 30-year-old they ever got to play a high school student. Yeah. Like, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing we've been doing for a long time. You know, I, I brought up Cute Without the by Take Back Sunday because you mentioned it, and I realized mm-hmm. I, I've heard that song many times. I love that song. I have no idea what it's about. I've never noticed. Just like I didn't notice Misery Business was about what it's about because, I don't know, I was just uh, listening to the music. I didn't realize till I was doing the research for this that she does not steal Body Like an Hourglass Girl's no, boyfriend. No, the, 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 the Body Like an Hourglass Girl breaks up with him and then she dates him and then it's it's sort of framed as this victory. ultimate victory. <laughs> I did it, which is, I don't know, I, I kind of, <laughs> it, it doesn't really work as a victory played completely straight, but I kind of like it as a testament to teenage pettiness. Like, yeah, I'm dating your ex and I'm going to spin this as a victory for me because I'm a sullen teenager. I like it. I, I think it kind of works. Yeah, that's that's one thing you can say about um, misery business. It was very clearly written from a very real feeling like this is and like they said, this is like literally something that actually happened. There was a, you know, a a girl that uh, she called a whore many times on in concert. So like, yeah, you can feel like something real behind it, just like you can feel like even though Skater Boy is fictional, there's some, you know, there's a, a real feeling behind that too. It was like, yes, I am going to get revenge on uh, the the preppy girls who are too good for us punks and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it occurs to me, I could have put, put Skater Boy against Misery Business also. Yeah, well, that, that also kind of has the vibe of like, well, she rejected him and now I'm dating him and that's a victory for me and that's a loss <laughs> for her. Like, it, it fits those themes quite a bit. I guess the, the distinction between Skater Boy and... Um, a girlfriend, like you said, is that they were written at like kind of different points in Avril's age and career. And I think the same applies when you're comparing girlfriend and misery business is that one is very much an expression of like genuine teenage. Um, it, it's a narrative about real situations and real emotions at the very least, whereas girlfriend does definitely feel less like it is about a real woman or even that it's a fictional story about a real feeling, if that makes yeah. sense. yeah. And I think some of that does just come from them being different ages at that point and being at different parts of their lives and careers. Well, H- Haley never uh, made her next best. Th- or <clears throat> <laughs> she never made her girlfriend. I'm just going to yeah. ignore the album. And she, I mean, she was edging up to it. Like she was like, uh, you know, she she did the thing with B.O.B. And there were like thoughts that she was going to be like this big pop star. And she just never went there. She just uh, she just stayed with Paramore, and then when she did go solo, it was like even less pop than Paramore ever was by a, a humongous margin. I don't know. I I, I thought I was, at the end of this, I would have like a solid tiebreaker that would put me on one side or the other, but I don't know. Both of these songs are just still about as good to me. They're 
I would give them both like a seven out of ten. Like girlfriend is catchy. I don't know. There's like there's a little bit of a soullessness to it that I don't like. Misery business is like real, but it's not as catchy. Mm. Rough around the edges. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love that, like, the, I like the guitar stuff in Misery Business. I like that, dun, 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 like, you know, yeah. like, Beavis and Butthead could get into that, you know? Where's that, where's the Beavis and Butthead episode where they're listening to Misery Business? I, I think they would headbang to Misery Business. I think they would have some choice uh, comments about Girlfriend also. I don't think, they, yes. I don't think, I think they'd have some very harsh remarks about Avril and her little dance routine right at the end. Man, Ugh. just 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 giving me more fodder for more stupid questions that we can ask in future episodes. <laughs> but uh, on that note, do you want to do three questions with the, with the bonus fourth question? Okay, go ahead. All right, so we do three questions, especially in a case like this where we're we're still not quite sure where we land. You know, silly questions that actually kind of have a serious purpose that help us understand where things fall into history and Mm -hmm. how things are structurally and how they are lyrically. Um, So the first question is, uh, if one of these songs is going to be lost to time, right, one of them is going to go away forever and one of them is going to stay forever, what is the one that has to stay? Which one historically is the more important song? I almost kind of want to say Girlfriend. And I, I say that as someone kind of who voted for Misery Business as as the the superior song. I kind of feel like the the musical impact of of Girlfriend was sort of something kind of new with this like guitar punk kind of vibe that it was going for. My Misery Business, I love it. It's a fantastic song, but I don't know if it had as much of a, a musical impact or a cultural impact in terms of trying something completely new at the time. Well, you know, it's funny. He's like, which one has to be lost at time? I think Haley Williams has already put in her vote for that one. Absolutely. (laughs) She's losing it to time herself. (laughs) I think Avril had already done everything she was going to do for the culture by the time she dropped Girlfriend. Whereas, you know, Misery Business is Paramore's first big song. I I mean, I guess some people were into pressure, but Misery Business was the first one where I really noticed them. And I think most people did. So I feel like they that one is the one that would have to stick around because who knows what else. Uh, might have happened if you know if not for that song. My my counterpoint on the fact that um, that Haley was like we're not going to play Misery Business anymore. I think it has to stay specifically because she and the song took that journey, mm-hmm. and it's a good one. Like it's good that that happened. Mm-hmm. That's like, a good I'm, point. I'm I'm glad that there was like the song existed. People responded to it. There was a meaningful dialogue between artist and fans. And then a change was made that satisfied everybody. How genuinely, how many fucking times can you name in the history of music where that happened? Yeah, I guess to get to point B, you have to start at point A. It being lost to time is in and of itself a reason why it can't be lost to time. Or the act of losing it to time is in and of itself meaningful. I really like that. All right. So question number two is... You can be a fly on the wall. You can watch uh, Soup to Nuts, the entire construction of the song. That means, um, you know, somebody jotting down notes on a piece of paper, the band getting together in a studio, the creation of the music video, the whole thing. Um, But you can only be around for one of the two, which is the one that you want to be able to witness the whole creation of the song. Well, if I were to watch the, the creation of Girlfriend, that means I'd have to be watching Dr. Luke. And every time uh, he even comes up, I get, the you know, uh, my skin crawls and then the discourse comes out and I don't want to deal with that. So I guess I am watching Misery Business being made. Yeah, I'm going to say Misery Business. I think it reflects a real story. I think it reflects real emotions. I think that it would be interesting to watch it be conceived of. 
I again, I do like the song Girlfriend, but I think that watching Girlfriend be constructed would be a songwriting meeting with people where a song is constructed that will sound good. I think that the process of misery business being created is inherently more interesting. I, I don't I, know. Like, I feel like if I had to watch Misery Business, I'd have to watch a bunch of teenagers having teenage drama, and that would probably get old really quick. That's what the popcorn <laughs> is for. Like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta watch it and just live for the drama. Yeah. I want, I want Haley Williams to go back in time and 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 watch herself make the song. <laughs> That's what I want. Maybe she can give her younger self a hug. Haley Williams reacts to <laughs> <laughs> Misery Business. <laughs> Oh, I think she'd be very angry if you ever did that to her. Oh, yeah. Um, bless. Please don't listen to this episode. Too late. Um, so, man, all right. We're going to – so this is the the potential other question that might come into play. I, I, we have to save the, the, the infamous question number three for number three. Two and a half. We're, we're, yeah, so question two and a half. Um, Megan Thee Stallion, we're, we're all familiar with, with, with this woman. She's, uh, she's, she's, a, she's a great artist. She's uh, she's the queen of hot girl shit. Um, let us say that Megan Thee Stallion is is getting ready to go out for the night, and she is going out for a night of some real hot girl shit. And she is looking to get pumped by listening to one and only one of these two songs. Which one of these songs is real hot girl shit, friends? Let me say this right now, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. Misery business is a song for betas. And <laughs> and Megan is an alpha. That's a fact. I feel like girlfriend would be more her vibe. I cannot believe I, I, I just agree. said that. I Best agree. damn thing. I'm gonna say it is hot girl shit. It's not introspective yeah. shit. It might not be deeply personal emotion emotive shit. It's hot girl shit. I yeah. think it. I think it pumps you up more. I think it's great for a night out. Avril Lavigne, if you are listening to this podcast and have at any point felt bad about anything, about about the way that people have treated you over the decades, please know right here, right now, that Song vs. Song has decided unanimously that Girlfriend is hot girl shit. Oh, I really man. feel like we're, we're saving fucking lives with this question, man. I'm, I really have like you, Have you heard the rap remix of Girlfriend? Did you no. check that out? Oh, no. I remember hearing it on the radio at the time. Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne featuring Lil Mama who was a thing for like half a second in 2007, and then she pissed off Jay-Z one time, and then she disappeared off the face of the earth. Gosh, but, I, I really wish that Avril had decided to have her next album like now instead of 2019. Imagine how much luckier she would have been if she had done a track with Meg instead of with Nicki. Just, uh, just putting that out in the world. Nicki will record with anybody, I even know. people she hates. I don't know if she could get Megan. I know. I'm just yeah. saying in the in the hypothetical world where where yeah. where Megan comes I through would and, and does and does somebody a solid. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. Now the the actual question number three, the most important question that has ever been asked in all of human creation. William Shatner, thespian, a man who owns at least some of his own hair, actor. Again, a, a question mark, an exclamation point, an interrogative, uh, all of the above. Musician. Sure. I think at this point we can say is he's going to do a version of one and only one of these two songs. Which ver- which song must be shat upon? Is this even a question? It has to be Girlfriend. It has to be. <laughs> like, it's not even a debate, I don't think. No, there's, 
there was only one way that was going to go. It's got to be, there has to be a William Shatner version of Girlfriend. Like, not even like hypothetically while we're talking about it, but it needs to exist in real life. I would pay money for that. <laughs> easily. Like, She's like, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think about Iconic you all the time. for that very reason. I think it's about just... you all the time. You're so addictive. <laughs> Don't you know what I can do to make you feel all right? <laughs> I'm just saying. So look, if, especially if you, oh, well, boy, boy, this is tough. It's a good thing we had, we actually asked the Beavis and Butthead thing. That was an unofficial question, but mm-hmm. like it kind of tips it in favor of misery business a little bit. Because otherwise, if it's the four questions, it's a, it's a dead fucking heat again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are tough. This is a tough episode. This is way tougher than yeah. than I think that the results are going to reveal. I think this is actually, I for me at least, and I think for all three of us, it's it's pretty tight. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I'm going what back about, and forth every moment. <laughs> yeah, I, as as always, I defer to our uh, our listeners who tend to have much better insights than at least Todd and I do. All right, why do I bother? Writes, I'm going. <laughs> That's their, that's their name. Why do I bother writes? I'm going with misery business, but only reluctantly. Because by admitting that girlfriend annoys me, Avril wins. And I hate that. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, Avril's Avril. Avril's allowed to. Yes. That's right. You deserve to win, Avril. All right. You deserve it. Excalibur writes, in 2021, I absolutely do not care about artists selling out. But... My 2007 self is still too deeply betrayed by Avril's hard turn into pop. I don't think I could ever give Girlfriend a fair shot. Like, it's still in there. You're in her 2007. I think that the the vote tally is really going to bear out that that statement, I think, really is the reason why this this vote is going to turn out the way that it does more than anything else. All right. Cliff Excellent writes, I think both of these songs are of a pretty similar quality. So I went for the one that contains the line, hell yeah, I'm the motherfucking princess, over the one that rhymes brag with brag and now with now. Holy shit, we didn't talk about being the motherfucking princess, which really lines right up with I got long nails, I rap. Yeah, I think uh, I could absolutely see Megan saying that line, and I can absolutely see Shatner saying that line. So (laughs) I could see myself saying that line. That's a line I would say. All right. D. Mills writes, Girlfriend is from the point of view of the girl misery business is about. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Maybe. Mm, All right. But but the girl broke up with... Ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it work. I think we were trying to figure out if, like, Jesse's girl and my best friend's girl were the same person, and we are trying to figure out what that meant. But... It's anyway. all connected. Look it up on my dream board. Yes. That's not what it's supposed to be. What's the next comment? All right. Alina writes, funny story, Avril hate was so strong years ago that I read a grown woman comment snidely that the girlfriend in the video is prettier than Avril. <laughs> <laughs> Do we tell her? <laughs> no, nobody tell her. I, I'm going to tell man, her. <laughs> top 10 list of how many times I stared hardest into the middle distance. <laughs> All right. Liam Dew writes, what I find funny about this poll is that I'm fairly certain that Haley Williams herself would vote against misery business. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. She probably would. Rich Key writes, I get the vibe that the misery business protagonist is somewhat aware of her shittiness, but is relishing it. 
Whereas the girlfriend protagonist is oblivious to her own shittiness. I guess it's like choosing between Janice and Katie from Mean Girls. You shouldn't want to be either of them, yeah. but if you've got to be one, at least Janice is cool. Yeah. Yeah, there is like a there is a, like a, a intentional meanness to a misery business, whereas girlfriend is just like kind of doesn't care because it's like so whatever. Yeah, I never meant to brag. It's very much like <laughs> the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, oh, I'm I'm relishing in what's happening right now. I'm relishing <laughs> in dating your ex who you broke up with. I don't know. Like when I found that out, like misery business like definitely dropped a half step once I actually read the list. Like you didn't do anything. You didn't do a single thing. She dumped him. Oh my god, it's a it's a tuxedo mask situation. But you didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> All right, one last one. Destiny Joseph writes, Misery business only because I believe I'm dating the kind of person that Haley Williams would want to steal. And if she were to sing misery business directly to me before grabbing my dude by the collar, I can at least believe and see it. If my dude saw Avril Lavigne singing Girlfriend and thought, yeah, I'd tap that, I'd be annoyed that I was dating a guy who could let that happen. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. don't let I Avril Lavigne it. steal your man. But she, she is the motherfucking princess. I'll give her that. I'd be upset if I lost to Avril after seeing her dance like that. It's that's fair. It's awkward. And yeah, Haley Williams, you'd be like, yeah, okay, that's that's understandable. Yeah, I'll take the L on that one. If if Raven left me for Avril Lavigne, I would be deeply confused. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that all that's left for us now is to tally up the votes. As always, who do you think won? And if you think it's too obvious to say, then how much did you think they won by? I mean, we all know Misery Business won. We all know that's that's how it I'm, went. I'm I neither confirm nor deny. I'm I'm sure that's how it went down. How much? But then, I think it's a sixty forty. Sixty forty might be might 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 be sixty five thirty five. Sixty five thirty five. Yeah, I all believe right. it. Yeah. All right. For a total of two hundred ten to six hundred and eleven, that oh. is a seventy four to twenty six percent split. The winner Ooh. is Paramore, and uh, she is in the business of misery. She is. That's impressive. Yeah, she she laid the hurt down on Avril. Yes, I I will say if I had a time machine, uh, I would I would go back and absolutely make it be I'm with you versus the only exception. I think that that would have been a way tighter race or Misery Business versus Skater Boy. I think that either either one of those matchups probably would have yielded a much tighter result. I, I'll be honest, Fair. I I picked this matchup solely because there was a meme floating around of these two girls like. Could come in to steal your man in 2007. It was like floating around on Tumblr. It's legit. It's so, legit. You can you can do whatever you want. You can meme if you want to. You can leave yes. your friends behind. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We are on Patreon. You want us uh, to support us there? You can just toss us a dollar, and you'll get all our bonus episodes that we do. Or if you can't do that, you can just leave us a nice review or recommend us or uh, whatever else uh, you could think of. Just like tell your friends. Is there anything else we need to tell them? Tell your friends. Tell, apparently, Anthony Fantano asked people what music podcast they listen to, and a couple people recommended us. More people tell Anthony Fantano to listen to Song vs. Song so that we will get one step closer to getting Anthony Fantano to do an episode of Song vs. Song, thus elevating it to be a podcast that actually talks about songs in a serious manner. <laughs> um, oh, what's no. the next episode, Todd? That's that's the big question. Fantano has too, is too busy put, pumping out eight videos a day to be on our podcast, but... Next time, um, we're going back to the indie rock world. We will be doing Death Cab for Cuties, I Will Follow You Into the Dark versus The Shins' new slang.
Why are you doing this to yourself? (laughs) You... I am shocked. Anybody who knows anything about Todd knows that he fucking hates the shins. You hate them. I didn't say anything. I listen. I have. I mean, I I was I was in. The, I was the right age group to to like the shins. I was I was pitch perfect to to be the kind of person that liked them uh, well, and Death Cab. So I I think it will be a much more. I'll have probably have more to say than you. No, you'll have a lot to say. God, you'll have a lot to say about the shins. Can't wait. Oh, Can't maybe, wait for that episode. You know, I haven't listened to them since 2005. Maybe I will have completely become a different person. I don't. <laughs> I've known you a long time. Do you? Do you think I think you've changed that much, Todd? I am trying to be a happier, nicer person. We will see <laughs> okay. in the next episode. I can't wait. We'll see right. you then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.